Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast Provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nation's Hogs Haven I'm your host, Jamal Forrest, in here with AJ and Dre. Uh, fellas, how are y'all doing right now? Y'all are good? Absolutely, sir. AJ, yes, sir. what's going on with you, player? Doing good, man. How about yourself? I can't complain. Well, I could complain. Um, can't complain. Still ain't walking. But, um, you know, <laughs> one of these days, things are going to get better. So, uh, I, I guess it might it be time to hang it up, Jamal. You might have to hang up that I'm football not, career, man. I'm not. I'm not doing it, bro. <laughs> I'm not doing it, man. That's that's my childhood memory. I can't let go. <laughs> I can't do it just yet. Um, but in the building, man, as we uh we're we're really looking forward to this one. Kevin Sheehan joins us right now. Kevin is the host of the Kevin he- Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. Um, you're about to be uh starting. You're starting to get called uh, as a, a DMV or radio OG. Um, I, I want you to know that is is your time is coming. Kevin, I just, I just want you to know that you, you can laugh all you want to, but it's true. <laughs> but not really. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate you joining this bus, man. What happened to you? What'd you do? So, um, flag football, I've been playing for like six or seven years, but uh, caught a pass. Um, it's crazy. I caught a, I caught a curl. Um, caught the pass, tried to plant and cut up field and pop uh, two, two, I heard two pops in my foot. Um, no Achilles, thank God, but the 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 x-ray said no broken bones no fractures but i i did probably sprain two ligaments in my foot so um yeah i don't know how long the recovery time is but i'm, I'm gonna be out for a little minute i can tell yeah. you know usually when you hear the pop it's an achilles because you can hear the achilles pop i mean i i i've done my achilles and i've been in you know pick up old man basketball games where people have blown out the achilles and you can hear it pop yeah, yeah, um yeah. This one I, I felt it, so thank God. Like it, it, it was just me feeling something. So, um, 
yeah, it, I, I dodged a bullet. Uh, I'm thankful because when when playoffs come around in a month from now, I'm I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping I'm back on that field, bro. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But um, Kevin is here today. Um, as we all first off, for for those who don't know, this is the start of uh mandatory minicamp for the Commanders, so it is a good day to have Kevin on. Um, and, and get his thoughts on the team and obviously the current news today. But I, I want to start a little bit more macro uh, to, to kind of generate this conversation. Um, obviously, Chase Young has been a big deal today. Uh, he's been a big, big deal over like the past couple of weeks. Um, Sam Sam Howell is is a big conversation as well, um, along with some other uh, players who are actually in, at the end of their contract, uh, Montez Sweat and, and even Cam Curl to an extent. But for you, um, and even Ron Rivera dealing with an ownership change. But for you, Kevin, uh, what are the most important questions uh, that need answers uh, regarding this year's commander stand? Uh, I mean, outside of the ownership getting finalized, it's Sam Howell. You know, it's a quarterback. It's always the quarterback. And we've got another kind of mystery summer where we're not sure if we've got a quarterback or not. Um I know that there's a lot of optimism for Sam Howell. And I, you know, I like a lot of what I saw last year, but nobody can be sure. You know, the guy played in one game. It was the end of a season. It was without a lot of his players. The other team seemed to be disinterested after, you know, the reason that they, they would have been motivated to play the game was if Philadelphia was going to lose to the Giants at the same time. And that wasn't happening. And, and um, it's the quarterback. You know, did they they couldn't take the big swing in this offseason like they did last summer with Russell Wilson, the summer before that with Matt Stafford. And they've got Sam Howell and they paid eight million bucks for, you know, a very high quality backup. And I think a decent spot starter in Jacoby Brissett. Here's the the thing that I I do find um, interesting about this team. At the end of last year, the thing that I remember saying at the very end of the year is I learned something that I didn't think I was going to learn before the year started. And that is they got a pretty good team. They got a pretty decent roster. Their defense is legit top 10 and could get better. And their playmakers are good. If they can find a quarterback and upgrade the O-line, they got a chance to be as good as they've been in a long time. So the quarterback really becomes the focus even more so this summer because if Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett gives them more than what they've had in recent years, which is a low bar, they could have a competitive season. Tough division, you know, with Philly and Dallas, but they're as good as anybody defensively. And I think there's some players that, you know, we can end up talking about that you know, like a Jamin Davis is an example entering his third season. That could be a real surprise, big time performer for them. But it's the quarterback, number one, you know, after ownership, it's Sam Howell. Is he the right guy? Is he the guy, um, you know, are they going to roll with him? Or are they going to realize that he's not the guy and roll with this veteran who would probably be better than anything they've had in the last couple of years and would give him a chance? Well, Kevin, I wanted to follow up on the Sam Howell thing. And we kind of been talking about this on the show a lot, but did you like the process of how they got to Sam Howell? Because as we all know, you go back to Ron Rivera, you know, not even wanting to start him the last game of the season. And then you go through the summer of, oh, well, he's our guy. I mean, do you think the process was genuine or do you think that was just kind of manufactured because their hands are tied with ownership? 
I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it's something we've talked about a little bit, and I think it was a very convenient way to go when the season ended. Sam played well, as you said, he had to be talked into playing Sam Hal in the season finale by Taylor Heineke. You know, if Taylor had said, uh, okay, I'll start the game, we don't know when we would have seen Sam in that season finale. And then they would have had no ability to kind of label him as QB1. But they got that game, fortunately, because Taylor talked to coach um, and maybe some others into starting Sam. He played well. You know, it wasn't like a dominant performance, but he played well. And then I think in that aftermath of the ugly game against Cleveland, the way the Cleveland game ended, the fact that the head coach didn't even know that they could be eliminated from the playoff race at the end of that day, I think it was very easy to take Sam Howell and say, we got a young guy, we drafted him, he's ours, he played well, we've liked some of the things that we've seen all season, QB1 label. You know, he kind of backtracked off that eventually when they signed Brissett. And even today, you know, he talked about like, you know, a legitimate competition. But I think in the moment, it was Ron being Ron, where he's trying to give you the answer that gives him a be- the, and the team the best chance to look good in the moment. And it was a little bit of a deflection, right, off of the end of the season, which did not go well starting Carson Wentz against the Browns, um, not knowing that, you know, they could be eliminated at the end of that day. There was a lot of ugliness away the, uh, around the way the season ended. And he took the path of, hey, look, we got some hope here in Sam Howell. Whether or not he truly believes it or not, I don't know. I think they like him. I don't think they, you know, that it's, you know, a total roll of the dice for them. I think they liked him when they drafted him. But, whether or not they're convinced he's a long-term bona fide NFL starting quarterback, I don't think they know. I don't think we know either. Uh, yeah, so, Kevin, I was going to ask you, uh, today there were comments made by Ron Rivera uh, about there still being a competition between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, but it seems like that's what was initially said a couple months ago uh, when they acquired Brissett in free agency, but everything – that we've seen from whether it be social media content or the way that they speak about Sam uh, also in OTAs have been number one reps for Sam Howe and really not any number one reps for Brissett. So how could we uh, as outsiders truly believe this is a competition? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Like he talks in circles and, you know, one day you get something that leads you to believe that, you know, they are so convinced of Sam Howell. And then and then I'll state for the record that, you know, if Brissett is the better quarterback, they'll start Brissett. Look, I, I think personally this is Sam Howell's job to lose. Like if it ends up in, in as they're competing and playing in preseason games, if they think it's even Sam Howell's going to start. If Sam Howell, if Brissett's just slightly better, I think Sam Howell will start. I think the the way that Brissett ends up starting is if it becomes clear to everybody out there that Sam's really a developmental project and that there's no guarantee that at the end of this development that you're going to have a starting NFL quarterback. And I think if, if they get to that point, then I think we'll see Brissett. 
because they don't want they they, they if, if they go with Sam Howell, it's because they truly believe that either he's their best option now or that there's a real future with him. But if they question that future after a full summer, then we'll see Brissett. My guess is, though, he has the arm strength. He's got the mobility, the athleticism that they'll see enough from him to start the season with him and see how it goes. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm concerned with with Sam. I think the best thing that he does is throwing the ball deep, but in between the numbers and especially with this type of offense that Eric Bieniemy is going to be calling, a lot of these pass plays are going to be in between the numbers. I'm not sure how that is going to fare for him and that's where I I really see is a major concern that I think a lot of media pundits like yourself will end up seeing during training camp and the preseason game reps that he ends up uh, getting. Yeah, I mean, the first pass he threw was between the numbers to Dotson for a touchdown. But I I think – I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the big part for him is going to be what Phil Longo, his offensive coordinator at North Carolina, told me several months ago. This guy, Brian Simmons, who does North Carolina football games on their radio network, told me last week, and that is his decision-making, that he, you know, at times will rush it and will force it. And at the NFL level, you can't do that. You know, you can do it for a while and learn from it and then dial it back. But decision-making, I think, will be a big deal. Now, I also wonder personally if size will be – a big deal or not, but, you know, they're going West coast. We're going, you know, quick release, get it out, get it in the hands of playmakers. I think they'll have a ton of RPO in their offense. They ran a lot of RPO in Kansas city um, with Mahomes and Sam Howell ran a ton of RPO at North Carolina. So I think it'll be a lot of that. um, And a lot of emphasis on getting the ball into Terry Curtis, Jahan's hands. And by the way, don't forget trying to run the football, which is another thing they talked about, remember, at the end of the year, that they wanted to be a heavy run-to-pass ratio team. (laughs) And I guess, and to that extent, when you think about the the actual scheme of it all, you mentioned West Coast offense and um, BNME. I I think even when BNME decided to take this job in Washington, um, he kind of knew this. uh, He had to be aware of the situation altogether, especially with the quarterback uh, position in particular um and, and that's a i feel like overall that's a it can be a, a big a big reward and, and also a big risk because you just don't know after one game what how can do for you but but i think when you when you kind of put a question of dale real or the enemy um together just from a coordinator perspective um i'll i'll outline dale real in a second but the enemy in in his situation on offense you have the weapons there um, the question marks at quarterback and O-line for the most part. Uh, but then you look at Dale Rio's side of the ball. Um, his worst season was 2021 from a unit standpoint. Obviously, that was a, a major regression coming from, you know, his first season in D.C. Uh, overall, I would kind of say that he had like a – over his three years, he's probably earned like a, a B, B-minus uh, grade in my opinion. But but I think this year is going to be a little bit different because I think that E.B., um, I, don't, I don't see it possible that he'll have a, a a worse a worse unit than a Turner-led offense, if I'm just being quite frank and, 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 and being honest. 
Um, but the big dogs have to step up on defense. And I think that's the 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 bigger names, the bigger investments, right? Uh Sweat, Young. Um, you're gonna have to see more from them. I, I do trust uh Deron Payne more. Um, I, I already trust uh Jonathan Allen. Um, but and then even on the outside with uh St. Juice and, and Emmanuel Forbes and all these guys, and, and point being all these names, this defense, this defense side of football can't really afford that same slow start that they had over the past couple years. And when I look at EB and I look at Jack Del Rio and I say who has the most pressure on them or who has the unspoken pressure on them, um, I lean Jack Del Rio because of, of the fact that he has the names, he has the horses, and he has to, you know, come out and, and, and show like this defense can be consistent on a year in and year out basis. Who do you think has uh, more unspoken pressure on them? Is this a Del Rio thing or is this an Eric Bieniemy thing? Or could it be both, uh, a mix of both? Well, I think in a normal situation, the way you described it makes sense, but this isn't normal. Eric Bieniemy um, is leaving the shadow of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he didn't get a head coaching job after interviewing for, you know, countless numbers of head coaching jobs. There was only one team in the league willing to give him a job as an offensive coordinator other than Kansas City and it's Washington. So to me, this is the year of Eric Bieniemy. you know, in terms of the coaches. He's got to do he's got to do one of two things. He's got to develop Sam Howell to the point where even if they go seven and 10 or six and 11 at the end of the year, we saw this progress with Sam Howell. And at the end of the year, it's like, wow, Eric Bieniemy did an incredible job with a first year starting quarterback. And this guy looks like a starting quarterback in the future or or he realizes it's not going to be Sam Howell. And with Jacoby Brissett and a bunch of really good playmakers and hopefully an improved offensive line and maybe a better scheme and a better fit, the offense takes a big jump and is a contributor to a winning season. I think the pressure, I think Biennemi has to, in his first year, um, out of the shadow of Andy Reid, and that's a big shadow, uh, yeah. literally and figuratively. And, and also <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes, I think he's got to take this. I think at the end of the year, people have to see, say, what were people thinking? Why didn't they hire Eric Bieniemy? What were people missing? Washington got it right. Jack Del Rio is a good coach. 2021 was a weird year because of the quarterbacks they faced, the offenses they faced. But I agree with you. It wasn't a good season. And they've started slowly, including last year against Jacksonville and Detroit. Detroit lit them up. In game two. Now, it turned out Detroit turned out to be a really good offensive team last year. We didn't know it in week two, and Jacksonville ultimately did as well. But I, I promise you that Jack Del Rio has as much respect from players and other coaches as almost anybody else in that building out there. I think Jack Del Rio has been much more responsible for a lot of what's gone on than we even know, because I think Ron's been more of a delegating CEO type of coach. And now he's giving Eric entire, you know, control over the offense. And Jack's already had, you know, pretty much, you know, total autonomy on the defense. But I think Biennemi, this is a big year for him. Remember, Jack and Ron are kind of winding down their professional careers, coaching careers. Like Ron, I'm not saying Ron knows this or has even thought about it, but if you're making bets, 
the likelihood is that Ron's final year as a head coach is this coming year. Jack's been doing this a long time. Eric Bieniemy wants to be a head coach in this league. This is a big year for him. And Kev, I, I kind of wanted to follow up on that because, you know, I, as I mentioned to you before, I listened to your show and I know that you kind of respected Scott Turner a lot more than a lot of people did around here. And I, I kind of thought that maybe he wasn't as bad as a lot of people thought as well. But do you feel like the, you know, the putting Eric Bieniemy on the staff that this is a significant upgrade or do you think he has to be that guy as Jamal was saying like with the pressure on him is he gonna have that extra pressure because but because of what Scott Turner wasn't when he was here like do you do you feel that extra pressure and do you feel like this is a significant upgrade in your opinion with Eric Bieniemy? well first of all you got a two-time Super Bowl champion OC I mean this guy's coming with real championship pedigree he's been on a championship contending team and the four of us know this has been the opposite of championship contending organizationally for a long time so just that presence i think is going to be such a positive i wasn't it wasn't that i was a big scott turner fan because that that wasn't what it was i just felt like it was unfair to judge him when he had eight different quarterbacks in three years as an offensive coordinator, none of whom were any good. Like he had eight, he started eight different quarterbacks and not one of them was good. And so I think it's hard to really put all of it on Scott Turner when the quarterbacking was so subpar um, and there were so many of them. Um, Scott, by the way, is also another guy that you, when you talk to some of the players, they, you know, they had some issues here and there, like they did, by the way, with um, the D-line coach, Sam Mills Jr., and they finally got rid of him. I think Eric Bieniemy better – it better be an upgrade. I mean, I think the expectation is for it to be a major upgrade. I think that's another thing that the franchise is selling, you know, the Sam Howe conversation that we had and Eric Bieniemy. Um, at, at a bare minimum, we're getting a guy with championship pedigree – and who, by the way, came from one of the best environments, Andy Reid. Um, and, and not that, by the way, Scott had a pretty good offensive coordinating father um, that, he, that he lived with and grew up with. But um, I'm hoping that he's an upgrade. I mean, and I, I really am rooting for him, too, to be able to prove everybody wrong. Because everybody except for Washington and Kansas City, not everybody, because not everybody needed a head coach or an O.C., but everybody that interviewed him the last few years passed. So it'd be nice to see him um, prove everybody wrong. And look, he is old school demanding. That's been, I think, the issue more than anything else is that he's got a very demanding style. And in this day and age, it's my preference to have kind of old school coaches. I'd like to see it. But, you know, with younger players and, and this generation, there's a short shelf life. For guys like that typically um i hope he gets it done and gets it done quickly so i don't know if anybody uh, okay yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask um so during otas and even the kickoff mini camp mandatory mini camp today cam curl hasn't participated in any on the field drills um is he planning on holding out and and hoping to get a contract or I, I believe that they 
they drafted his replacement in Quan Martin. Um, but I'm not quite sure what's going on with Cam Crow because he hasn't participated in any on the field activities yet. Yeah, I think and it I doesn't think- seem like because of the ownership situation, they intend to re-sign or have any conversation about contracts at this point. I think actually they drafted Quan Martin to replace Bobby McCain personally, but I think with Cam, it's that they want to extend him. I think that's what it is. I don't know that for sure. And I think for now, until the ownership situation's resolved, they're not able to do it. They did it with Duran because, you know, they, they would have been headed towards franchise tag, um, uh, you know, and him playing on the tag and they wanted to get that done. I think that they're waiting for the ownership situation to be resolved. And then it wouldn't surprise me if Cam gets an extension. I think they should extend Cam Curl. I think he's been an important player. I think they found, you know, one of those diamonds in fifth, you know, seventh round rough. Seventh, um, yep. And uh, and I think they like him a lot. And I think he's a really good culture guy for this group. Like Ron and Jack, those guys really like Cam Curl. So I don't think that it's – I think they drafted Quan Martin to replace Bobby McCain personally. Well, Kev, I was going to say, AJ's not a big fan of Cam Curl, so that's why he presented that <laughs> <Okay>. question. <laughs> but I agree, like with, um, I, I agree with Kev. I, I also look at what Cam Curl is doing is similar to what Terry McLaurin did last year. Like, Terry skipped these things, but he was also present. Right. You know, he was there, you know. And that's kind of one of the th- reasons why a lot of that chatter is about Chase Young not, you know, being there when he needs to be there, you know, because he's one of those guys that has a lot to prove. Like, he hasn't even really given us what Cam Curl or, you know, a Terry McLaurin is given us here in this time is in Washington. And that's why you kind of see people kind of magnifying his absences from the voluntary things versus the cam curls and all of those. But I think that cam curl does do himself a favor in the coach's eye by saying, Hey, you know, I'm in a contract year, I'm not going to, you know, compete in the, you know, team participation drills, but I'll be present. So, I mean, that's, you know, I don't think cam is getting replaced anytime soon. No, I don't, hey, I don't Dr- either. <laughs> Yeah. But Dre, Cam has to really be there financially because he is a seventh round pick. He can't afford to miss those days. But he's produced. He's produced. He's been here. He's been consistent. Yeah, I think the, yeah. I think the Terry McLaurin comp's a good one. I mean, not at the same level of Terry, right. but Cam Cam Curl's been a producer for them. He's been on the field for a lot of snaps. They trust him in a lot of different situations and. I think they want him to be a part of this thing. And so for now, you know, if you get this ownership thing resolved, it would not shock me at all if they work on an extension for him before camp or sometime during camp. So last thing on my end, Kevin, I appreciate your time, boss, man. I want to do a word association. So I got a couple names I'm going to shoot off for you. Um, I'm tr- like, like I'm trying to, we're trying to figure out new ways to address these some of the same topics, but I, I I need one word from you. Um, you can leave it at one word, or you can give a you can give an explanation as the as the reason why you said that word. Uh, right. Whatever pops up to mind with these guys. So I'll shoot off the top. The uh, person is uh. Let's go ahead and start with with Chase Young, man. What's what's one word, or uh, what's your one word and explanation? Talent, and I just hope that it's not talent held hostage, as my good friend Doc Walker likes to say, because he's still quite the talent. I mean. And by the way, the other word I would use personally is hopeful because I was all over them taking him at number two. I wanted them to lose that game to the Giants in 2019 so that they were guaranteed 
that second pick. I really thought they were drafting one of those generational pass rushing players. Um, but hopeful for him. I'm not sure, though. I'm not sure. Antonio Gibson. Underrated. And, and, Jah- and, I'll, and I'll just add to that because I think, you know, I, I think he's one of the top five players on the team. I think you could make the case that he's one of the top five talents on the team. And he was a wide receiver, and he's now a running back. He carried them in 2021 back into uh, into playoff uh, contention during that four-game winning streak. I think he's big, strong between the tackles. I know everybody likes him in space. He's one of my favorite players. Jahan Dotson. Star in the making. That's my guy, too. That's my guy. Okay. Uh, Jamie Davis. Going to be super improved this year. Last one, uh, Ron Rivera, head coach. Lame duck. <laughs> quack, quack. Can we go back to the gym? I'm actually... I'll tell you what. Let me give you one other one. Okay. A good guy. A really good man. That don't sound like that about no coaching. I need a better I need a better description for my coach. But no, Kev, I actually wanted to go back to your Jamin Davis comment because this is this is the second time you've actually mentioned them on the show. Is this something you've hearing? Because you've said a couple of times you think he's gonna be a very improved player and maybe taking that leap this year. And that'd be amazing if he does. But is is this something you're kind of hearing maybe that he's gonna take this leap, or you just feel like this is a year for him to take the leap? I've actually been hearing some really good things about Khalid Hudson. Um uh, in, in further down the roster for the second straight year, by the way, they, they, they really like him for some reason. Um, Jamin made a big jump last year. You know, they played him at a position that was more natural. They didn't try to fit a square peg into a round hole like they did rookie year, his rookie year. I mean, he had to learn a new position. That wasn't what he played at Kentucky third year. You know, you start to see guys in their third year start. It starts to click. He hasn't been out of a, uh, he's been in the same system for three years. Whereas the offensive guys are getting a whole new system this year, and he is super athletic. I mean, I yeah. think his speed you see on the field, and when he starts playing, you know, without thinking, which I think we started to see last year, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I would be surprised this year. Put it this way: they didn't spend a lot on linebackers. Cody Barton, they like him a lot as a as a playmaker. They don't put a lot of linebackers on the field. But I think they trust that Jamin Davis is going to take another big jump this year. And if it's another jump like rookie year to last year, he'll be a really good player for them this year. I think the defense has a chance to be great. I hope so. I need I need them I need them edge rushes to finish home a little bit more. Yeah, but agreed. I think I think that's definitely a, 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 a in their horizon if they can finish, man. But Kevin, I want to I know you got some things going on, so I want to give you the floor uh, before you get out of here to let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, where they can uh, hear from you, anything that I missed, anything that else that you got going on, man, the, the floor is yours to plug. No, that's nice. It's it's what you said at the beginning, the Team 980, 10 to 1 now every day. Um, you can stream it. You can podcast it. Um, you, can, you can download our Odyssey app. And then my podcast, The Kevin Sheehan Show, which I do two days a week with Lavero. Today's show is with Doc. Um, Cooley's on a lot during the football season. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Boom. There it is, Kevin, man. Appreciate your time, boss, man. You take care, man. And uh, make sure you don't don't lose today. 
Don't lose. <laughs> hey, that lets them win. He still got to let them win. Foot, man. You're, you're getting older. You're getting older. Uh, Those cuts, you, 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 you know, you got to ice up an Advil up before you go out there. Yeah, you're like the fifth person <laughs> told me I'm getting old. I don't like I don't like what y'all telling me right now. Like Steve Smith said, <laughs> ice up, son. <laughs> I'm going to ice up already with some ibuprofen on the side, too. But, Kevin, man, appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, thanks so much for appreciate having you, me. Kevin. Yes, sir. Appreciate All right, you, Kevin. Kevin. Boom. All right, and that was – the big dog, man, Kevin Sheen of the Team 980 and the Kevin Sheen's podcast. Uh, and right now we are transitioning into uh, the next position group for the Tribe or Die position group breakdown. Man, watch the commanders uh, position group breakdown. I said a lot. Um, I shouldn't have said that much. But joining us to do it is Mark's, Mark Tyler of Hogshaven. Uh, Mark, man, I appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Uh, boss, man, how you doing? Everything good? Everything's good, guys. Everything's good. Um Appreciate you guys having me on. We've been talking a little bit on some of the uh, spaces. So uh, it's it's always good to get great discussion with great people. And, um, you know, one of these positions that's uh, near and dear to my heart in, in running back. So, Well, hey, hello, Mark. Um, I haven't talked to you in a while because I don't do the spaces thing. But the last time I think I talked to you was on here and you told us about your bourbon collection. Where is that at now? You getting that further? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, Dre, it's it's been getting crazy lately. So we got some we got some nice uh, King of Kentucky that came in. We have a couple Pappy 15s that came in. So uh, the wife oh, keeps man. going. I keep getting, and uh, we, we find a happy meeting somewhere in between. So. All right, man, that sounds good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, the the last couple of days, your tweets have been surrounded by the running back position, especially Antonio Gibson. Uh, so I guess let, let's start there. How, how do you feel about Antonio Gibson's role within this Eric Bieniemy's offense? So super excited, AJ. Um, <clears throat> I, I think this is going to be the year that we see him used correctly. And we see him basically showcasing that type of talent that we all saw when he was you know drafted here. So He's he's had a little bit of a bumpy road along the way, and I think um, a lot of people hold that against him. But if we can see this young man who's you know six one, I think he's probably bulked up to a little bit over two thirty right now. Um, he 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 looks thick, um, and I think you guys have maybe seen him a little bit at some of the OTAs and mini camps early on. But he looks thick, and you talk about a kid that has like Saquon Barkley type of explosion numbers. People get a little bit upset when I mention that name and put Gibson in that same category, but they're very similar in height. They're very similar in weight. They're very similar in their 40 speed. They're very similar in their 10-yard split. Um, what Barkley had him on was vertical, where he I think he jumped 41, where I think Gibby jumped 35. But you talk about an explosive athlete and getting him out in space and letting him do his thing. I mean, Gibby's exciting. He's an exciting young man. I was just going to say this funny because with Antonio Gibson, this might be the first year he's actually the legit change of pace back in the roster. Because if you look at the rest of the running backs, you got Brian Robinson, you know, Jonathan Williams, and then the guy they just drafted this year, Chris Rodriguez, they're all one in the same type of back. You know, whereas in the past we had J.D. McKissick and a couple of guys there. and J.D. McKissick's no longer here. So who is that receiving back of the group? And it has to be Antonio Gibson. And as Washington fans, we've always kind of said, like, when are we going to get him more involved 
involved in a passing game? When are we going to get him more involved in space? And this probably is the year of any year, because again, he's the only back that I see in the current group of backs that we have that can do some of those things that JD McKissick is doing. So if this is the year to break out for Antonio Gibson, it has to be this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in Antonio's role this year. Uh, I, I think not necessarily from a trait perspective, well, excuse me, I guess it kind of goes hand to hand, but I, I'll be more specific. I think what the enemy can do for him, um, and, and just knowing like one of the, one of the things that I looked at in particular was just like, uh, the enemy's motion uses. And I think a lot of people have done that, um, since he's been hired here in Washington, but his ability to move people around the offense, I mean, how that could benefit certain people, um, but also like alignment shifts. And, and I don't know uh, exactly how much they want to use Gibson in the backfield uh, on a first and second down basis anymore, especially with uh, J.D. McKissick not being on the roster anymore. Um, but like his whole role can be redefined this year. And, and that doesn't mean like a person who's getting for me, I don't see a person who's going to be getting um 25 touches a game 20 to 25 touches a game um I don't think that's there anymore I'm not saying that that's going to be a, a skill set issue but more so like I think they're just expanding his role and making him a little bit more of a threat in in both facets of the offense pass and run game um but it's interesting because like he he like we say this all the time, and I think AJ, me and you are on the same. I guess I think Dre too. I, I don't remember Dre, you just gotta remind me, but I, I I like this guy has all the traits, but he's not like a game breaker. And and like I would love to see how the enemy can tap into like what Gibson can do for an offense. Like he has the speed, um, and and like he has uh the, the playmaking ability in terms of like being being a three-level three-level threat in the pass game, like. There's so many things that he can do, but I don't know how it can be like tapped into completely. And I'm interested to, to figuring that out with the enemy. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, Eric Bienemy will allow Antonio Gibson to get back to his natural feel of being on the field. And, and that's being a receiving, you know, weapon in general, whether that be lining up in the backfield. Uh, getting some plays in motion on jet sweeps and hit the outside immediately and not have to think and and, and worry about cut lanes too much. Uh, also, maybe lining up at some wide receiver here and there. But I just think some things with Antonio Gibson's game that you just can't teach. And he lacks vision. Um, in my opinion, he lacks that, that immediate burst uh, when he gets the ball. And even though he has these measurables in, in this this frame, I'm not gonna say thick like like, like Mark, which is pause, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I feel like he plays small. I, I feel like he doesn't play up to his size. Like he doesn't have that aggressive approach within his his game. And that that concerns me. Um actually the whole entire running back room concerns me at this point under Eric Bienemy. Uh, we're going to be honest. That's why I think today's discussion about the position is is, is very intriguing for me to see how everybody else uh, views well, that. Actually, because I, I actually want to know why you concerned, AJ. Why are you concerned? <laughs> Matter of fact, I mean, let's, let's ask that question. But also, I want to know because we can mind as well before we even go to the next three or four backs. Let's go ahead and talk about Dalvin Cook. I saw that last. I saw that yesterday. You were talking about Dalvin, um, and you mentioned that 
in comparison to the roster or the, the depth chart that Washington has. So uh, you can answer that and then talk to why you felt Dalvin is worth making a trade for. Well, it really, it really came up. Blame Mark. Uh, I think I woke up, <laughs> seen him tweet something about wanting to trade a fourth that conditionally turns into a third for Jonah Williams, the tackle from the Bengals. And I was like, hold up, hold up. Like, if 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 this team is going to make any trade at this point, I think they should be getting a late playmaker, and that would be Dalvin Cook. I'm not I'm not part of Dalvin Cook's fan club. I'm not saying that this trade would happen. I don't see this front office as being that aggressive to go and acquire a guy. Uh, but I'm just thinking about, you know, a guy that can be a, a three-down back and on top of that kind of supplement the lack of production that you're probably going to get from the – the tight end position as being a receiving back. And I just feel like Dalvin has a lot left in the tank. Yeah. People want to look at the bigger picture of the contract, but you could easily get out of his contract next year. I think you want to just get the best out of that position. And I feel like Dalvin cook fits perfectly within what Eric B wants to do and what they've also done in Kansas city. Cause that's, they're replicating the same exact offense. As much as we want to say, we don't know, what Eric Bieniemy is going to do, we I think we have a clear cut answer what they're going to do. It's just that number fifteen and number eighty seven aren't going to be a part of that offense. Dre, are you are you uh, are you sold on on the idea of of considering another back outside of this group? Um, I don't I don't want to say are you considering a trade because that's kind of. That's one thing, but I guess I'll ask you. Matter of fact, effort. Are you? Do you think has he sold you? Has AJ sold you? And 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 what do you think about this position group overall? As uh, as we get into Brian Robinson next, I will say AJ didn't sell me. I mean, and I love Dalvin Cook. I'm a Florida State fan, so I've been watching Dalvin Cook for a long time. But it's just not a position that I would trade assets for at this point, especially when I, I like the guys in the room. Like I do. I mean, I like Brian Robinson. I mean. Um, it's kind of surprising to me that a lot of fans aren't talking about Brian Robinson more. I thought, you know, once he got in a rhythm, he got going. I mean, I still like what Antonio Gibson can do, and we haven't seen a lot of what he can do. And I do agree with AJ in the sense that his vision hasn't always been the greatest in the run game, you know, especially between the tackles. But, I mean, he's still a weapon, you know. I mean, he may not be what we may have thought we were getting when we drafted Antonio Gibson, but he's been a very solid producer here. And then you still got to see what you have in Chris Rodriguez. Now, granted, I wasn't a fan of the pick when we drafted him because I did think that at that position, if you were going to go running back in the draft, you go and get a change of pace type of guy because you already had the bruisers on the roster. But I mean, He's an Eric Bieniemy guy from everything we've heard. Eric Bieniemy loves him. Um, you know, a couple of other respected draft analysts love Chris Rodriguez. I mean, you still have guys like Jonathan Williams that can come in and spell guys. I mean, I think the overall group is solid. I mean, it may not be like a top five group in the NFL, but I think it's enough to get you by in the NFL, especially how the running game is valued these days. So, no, I do. I would not trade anything for Dalvin Cook um, if he's released. I wouldn't be mad if they went after him, but obviously you have to get rid of somebody, which I wouldn't be mad at because Dalvin is one of the top end guys at the running back position. He's getting a little on the older side, but no, I'm not trading for any of the guys. And I do like the group that is here. Can I, let me ask a quick question to, to you guys and maybe uh, Mark, you can answer first. Does, does the commanders have a top 15 running back right now on their roster? No, I would say, as a group, we have a top 15 group. 
I don't think we have a top 15 individual running back. There's too many talented young kids in the NFL right now that, um, you know, when you look at being complete and how much a coach can value being a complete running back, I think you got to put some of those guys up there. You guys have already talked about some of the deficiencies of Gibby and some of the deficiencies maybe of B Rob in the passing game. But if you could take those two and morph them into one running back, then I think, yeah, we have a top 10 running back, but, um, it doesn't mean we can't have a top 15 room. Um, so I don't think anymore in today's NFL, it's as important as saying, hey, I need to have a top 10 running back to be successful. If you have a top 10 or a top 15 group and room, that's all you need in the NFL, in my opinion. I, I'm going to say that we don't have a, a top 15 running back. Um, and if I had to be honest with you, I think Brian is probably closer. And, and hear me out. This is what I mean. And I'll explain. I think Brian is probably closer to the top 15 than AG is. And um, that's not to – I think Brian, from a from a standpoint of what he can do from a, a actual uh, position running the football, and I, and I know it's not like any – nowadays it's not just about what you can do with the ball in your hands uh, on a handoff. But at the same time, I, I just think that – I trust his vision and his consistency more. Um, and I think he can build on that as he feels comfortable in an NFL offense. Uh, I think one of the biggest things with Brian too last year um, was like, you didn't have a lot of wasted yards with Brian, but also like once he got in rhythm, like it was that, it was that feed me type of mentality. Like he, he got the ball, he got things going for the offense on the ground game. And especially when he was in, when he was in rhythm and he was feeling confident. So, um, to answer your question, AJ Flat, no, I don't think that Washington has a top 15 running back on the roster. And for me to chime in, I don't think it's necessary to have a top 15 running back on your roster to be successful in today's NFL. I mean, as you see the Chiefs, who the hell were the Chiefs running backs? I mean, Pacheco, a couple of guys, um, the Bills. I mean, we never really know any of the Bills running backs. I mean, we know their names because we're football fans, but, I mean, they're not, like, high-end guys. We talk about Josh Allen. We talk about Stephon Diggs when we talk about the Bills. Um, I mean, you, you could just go down and list them. When the Rams won a Super Bowl, their best running back was probably, what, Cam Akers or someone. I mean, none of those guys were think of, thought of in the, you know, top 15. That's why I said in today's NFL, I don't think it's necessary to have this high-end guy. I mean, sure, it's great to have some guys like, you know, San Francisco went out and got Christian McCaffrey. You know, the Titans have Derrick Henry. The Browns have uh, Chubb. But when you look at those type of rosters, I mean, they're just those old-school type of, you know, teams. They play old like especially the Titans and Browns. They play old-school football, and it doesn't necessarily negate to success in today's NFL. So, you know, if you had a good group of guys, I'll take a good group of guys over someone you know that's you know high and that's why i wasn't so big on like drafting a b john robinson in the first round this year because i'm like you know running backs have been devalued a lot in this league i mean i would love to have a talented guy there but if i can get an important starter or a more impact starter at a position i'm going more for that guy versus more so spending the resources on a guy that may give me a good three to five years in this league that's a good point. And, and the last thing I know, we're going to move on to a different running back, but I got to give a shout out to Gibby because there's a couple of different stats that, that hang out here, too. And I want to actually circle back with something that Jamal put out. I think it was last year, too. And I'll do that first. But um, we talked about Gibby having the vision and it's always been an issue with Gibby. But I remember we were watching film and Jamal put a film out where it was we're literally going 
Yeah, it was, it was, I think we were running a stretch and the hole busted up the B gap. I mean, everyone kind of washed down. We had guys getting to the second level. You, Jamal, AJ, Dre, and I could have ran through that hole and gotten maybe 30 yards before we were touched. And Gibby broke it to the outside and he ran into, you know, maybe got two yards out of that play. I think you remember that one, right, Jamal? Look, I, I didn't put out a thousand clips. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, <laughs> that was still out. Don't know. I mean, I, I I remember it, and it happens quite often in games. So yes, it does. Yeah, so that's that's, that's where it's frustrating. It is, and I remember that one that Jamal put out because I was like, a lot of people commented on that, and it was like, I mean, you can sit there and you can look, and we're seeing the hole. I'm like, why is he not hitting that hole? Why is he not taking that B gap? Why is he not just planting the foot in the ground and busting it up? But now I'm just gonna give you one counterpoint. So. The 2020 NFL draft was a pretty solid draft for running backs. So you had like guys like Swift, Taylor, Akers. Taylor is one of my favorite backs because I'm a Big Ten guy and I watch a lot of Big Ten football. I think he was one of the most talented backs since Ron Dane came out of the Big Ten. But you had six running backs that got taken before Gibson. So Gibson was the seventh running back. I think he followed A.J. Dillon. Um, and he was taken in the third round, obviously. So if you look back on that class over these last couple of years, Gibson was second in rushing only behind Jonathan Taylor. He was second in touchdowns only behind Jonathan Taylor. And he was second in receiving only behind DeAndre Swift. So you look at the four traits that you want to do for a running back, your four traits that stand out. A, can you gain me yards? B, can you put the ball into the end zone when we need you to get the ball into the end zone? C, can you catch the ball out of the backfield and be a complete back? And then the fourth, where I think he's deficient, is pass blocking, protection. Yeah. So I just wanted to leave that with you guys because I think that's one thing that we we don't respect Gibby enough for what he's done in these three short years he's been in the NFL. I think the numbers are valid. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and I think the numbers are valid in the sense of, of, it, of it backing, like how he gets in the end zone. Like a lot of his touchdowns are – within the five yard line, they found like 10 and in, and that's real good. Like that's real valuable to, to have somebody who can get the ball in the end zone. I give them credit there. And then as well at the, 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 the easy passes, cause they didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't like putting that man. Well, Scott didn't like putting that man on some, some actual receiver routes, but he, he caught the hell out of that swing pass and caught the hell out of them, them curls out of the backfield and, and things like that. But yeah, he, he maximized the yards that he did have. So um, I do, I do give him credit for that. And I think that's, a valid um, uh, comment for for Gibson in favor of Gibson. Um, Brian Robinson, do we have any any because we kind of merged the conversation with Brian? Do we have any any specific or final thoughts on Brian Robinson before we move to some other people uh, pieces on on this on this unit? I mean, I can tell you from my my perspective, I think Brian Robinson is a better athlete than we give him credit for. I don't think he was one hundred percent comfortable last year in his own body. And rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in that young man's mind. And if you look at our offensive line blocking, I mean, Brian Robinson was a beast. We saw him like take on hits and drag guys, but our offensive line as um, a run blocking unit, they had a 71% win ratio, which is not good in the NFL. I think that was tied for fourth last. So I think B-Rob is a better athlete. I think he can be more explosive when he trusts his body is 100%. He knows he's right. Um, but if you get those guys up front just to give him, you know, maybe like instead of 1.4 yards before contact, 
you know, give him 1.8 yards, 2.0 yards before contact, he's going to be a much more explosive running back, I think, than we see as long as he can stay healthy in the preseason and go into early September. Yeah, I think when it comes to Brian Robinson, for me, um, you know, I, I just – I'm just intrigued. I, I guess I'm just ready for the season to start to see how these guys will be utilized. I'm just intrigued to see how he fits within the scheme. I think it'll be a one-two punch of Gibson and Robinson, but I guess the issue that really come into play is how B-Rob – um, will be utilized because I mean you don't want defenses to be able to key in on okay when Gibson's in it's a it's an outside run or it's a pass uh, it, is Brian Robinson going to get more involved in the passing game than he has been whether it be collegially or even his rookie year with Washington? Yeah, um, that's interesting because like. I- and that's kind of this is actually well, Dre. Did you have any last things? I, I was gonna. I was gonna oh no! Transition. Yeah, I already okay. spoke my piece on B Rob. Yeah, like so. My thing is when you factor in Chris Rodriguez, um, fellas. I asked this question three months ago, so right before the draft, I, I had a feeling that the enemy would want to bring in somebody on offense. Didn't matter what position, but I, I specifically did name running back. So I wonder if he had somebody in mind that he wanted to bring in who he wanted to invest in and who he wanted to really build up from a draft standpoint that he can see as like a a future full-time running back, like a three-down running back. And his comments, Ron Rivera in particular, his comments after the draft suggested that the enemy um, was really high on Rodriguez and he, he, he outlined several reasons why he was a, a big fan of Rodriguez. Um and to that point, and the reason I bring this up, um he's gonna have a role. Like he's gonna have some type of role on his offense. Um I, I'm sure he'll have some some type of presence on special teams too. Um but his role is gonna be interesting because like who snaps is like what snaps are he is he is he taking on offense? Like is he taking away from Brian Robinson? Is he taking away from Gibson? Because that's kind of where my 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 conundrum in my head is, especially with Gibbs, uh, Rodriguez, who is kind of similar in terms of like um, powerful running backs like Brian Robinson. Though I do believe to what Mark said, and I'm glad he said it. Um, Brian is an underrated athlete. Um, like he's a little bit underrated because they see a lot of power in him. They don't think he has like the the quickness or the burst to really. I don't know if he's going to house a 50, 60 yarder. But there's a lot of running backs in the NFL who runs like a four six or four five and can house a seventy yarder. Um, I mean, I but I would say real quick that is never happening. I, I think his longest run even in college was like twenty seven yards. I'm not talking about no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about Robinson. I'm saying there okay, are okay. You talking five about Rodriguez? No, I'm no. talking about there are four five and four six NFL backs like in in NFL history who house who houses who houses 50 60 yards is what I'm saying. So oh, yeah, Nick Chubb. Saying, Nick Chubb is one of them. What he and run like Smith. A, I mean, he <laughs> had no fast dude. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, I think he ran like a 4 5 5. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting at is somebody who knows how to get the ball in the end zone. Um and I'm not going to say that Brian can't do that. Like he only had one year and he had a, a he missed some time, but 
I'm not going to close the book on Brian. My whole point of bringing Rodriguez into this, though, was that I'm not sure what role he's going to play on offense yet, but I also think that he's going to be taking some snaps from either Gibson or Robinson. Um, but I, I don't know what role he's going to have just yet. Yeah, I think Rodriguez is intriguing, like I said, because, I mean, for them to draft a guy that I thought was very similar to what you already had, someone really liked them, and we obviously found out that was Eric the Enemy. Now, the question is, does Rodriguez prove himself enough between OTAs, minicamp, training camp, that he can't surpass any of those guys? Because regardless of whether how much any of anybody liked the guy, he has to prove that he's better than those guys ahead of him right now. And those guys are ahead of him right now. I mean, he's very intriguing um, as a prospect. But, I mean, I also heard some things about Eric Bienemy getting on him in practice or training camp saying he has to move a little fast. But he's a rookie. You know, that stuff doesn't matter right now. But, again, I mean, he has to put the work in. But, I mean, it's it's there. I mean, but how much different is he than Brian Robinson is the question. But I did watch some of his stuff. And he he actually did house some of those things that AJ's talking about. He, he was It was like one of those rumbling, bumbling type of things that you would see from a Marshawn Lynch when he houses one. But he had the determination. And I did like that about uh, Chris Rodriguez. Is that that did seem a little different than Brown uh, Robinson is that he really doesn't want to go down and it takes a lot to kind of get him down and he does kind of hit those holes a little bit more decisively but it'll be interesting to see if it translated this next level but he does have a lot to prove and he's he, as at the running back position you got to kind of prove things kind of quickly you know like the running back position is not a forgiving one it's not one that you know you have a lot of time to kind of you know get acclimated and when someone drafts you or push you in a running back they kind of they're expecting you to kind of extend early because that's one of the quickest translating positions in the nfl is the running back position so we want to see it early from him well you know hopefully we see it early it'll be nice to have that competition nice to have that conversation but again it's also one of those positions too where injuries happen a lot so we may see him regardless of whether he's impressing early or not but I don't know if he's going to, you know, surpass Brian Robinson and them yet this year, but hey, I'm intrigued. Now I think about it, let me, give me two seconds. I think that's another thing that was a question mark surrounding Gibson. Um, He's had some nagging injuries, hasn't he? Um, I don't remember. I know it was 2020 he dealt with something. I think it was was his shin last year, too. He was dealing with a lower leg. Yep. And uh, okay. what was it? The, did he have a plantar fasciitis issue at one point? His rookie year, I think it was something like that. Yeah, that it was a toe. It was either that or yeah, turf. Toe, the turf. Yeah, it was the turf. Toe. Yeah. Turf toe. Yeah. Um. Not not to like really hone into it, but I, I do think the only reason why I, I thought about it is is really because of what Dre mentioned. Like injuries are a big deal, and I think that was part of the conversation with Gibson too. Like, um, being able to stay healthy is is going to be a big part of uh trying to. Uh, maximize his his efficiency or effectiveness in the offense is just making sure he can stay on the field. Um, so that's gonna be good. I, I, Rodriguez, man, it's a um. I already said it. I just, I just, I, I can't. Matter of fact, now I think about it, Jonathan Williams and Jared Patterson are two running backs. Where it's like these are the camp bodies. Now one of them may end up being on practice squad, and I may be undervaluing Jonathan Williams. But I think at this point with a new offensive coordinator, I'm sure you got your running back coach in your pocket, right? Randy Jordan and obviously Ron Rivera. Um, he he has he, he knows of you, but uh Benemy is a new guy calling the shots, and he has three backs who um because you're not carrying you're not carrying really four running backs into the to the regular season. 
um traditionally, right? That's it's usually just three. I don't yeah. I don't know what's AJ. No, I was I was just gonna say, yeah, it's, it's usually three. Uh, but I I believe uh Jonathan Williams also plays special teams, so that that could help him. I know Jared plays special teams, but I mean yeah. at the end of the day, I don't I don't really see them caring for uh for running backs. Yeah. Um so I think personally if I had to do John John Williams or Jared Patterson, I'll start with Jared first. Uh I, I do think his his story has been interesting. He's been battling his entire career since he made it to the NFL. Um, obviously, practice squad what a couple times now um, since he's been on. Um, he started, yeah, he started I think in the regular season with the against the Chargers. Um, I think he was actually active for that game, but overall, um, that's a guy who's been battling practice squad his entire time. Um, I don't know if special teams is going to be. Uh, the savior form, uh, especially if Rodriguez can can mess around and get some bump, but um, I do think that uh, Patterson, um, seeing how he plays, I, I don't know like where I see a spot for him, and also because of what I outlined with Eric Bieniemy, um, in, in that new situation, I don't really see a spot for Williams when the final fifty three is is said and done. So who who do we? I guess before maybe we wrap up the subject, who do you believe will lead the team in rushing? Um, because I, I think you brought up a, a great point with Chris Rodriguez. I mean, if you look at it, the two guys that are on the roster, one is a Ron Rivera pick and the other guy, Gibson, is a Gruden pick. And Airbnb got his guy in Chris Rodriguez. So there has to be a plan in place for Chris Rodriguez. I mean, we just seen the Chiefs utilize Pacheco, uh, who was either their sixth or seventh round pick, as a feature back as the se- season went on, especially in the playoff and Super Bowl run. Um, but who do you guys think will lead this team behind uh, that offensive line in rushing yards? Mark, you got the floor first, big dog. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with B Rob. I think he's just going to be the hammer. And he's going to be getting the early carries. And hopefully when you start to wear defenses down later on in the game, you're going to be able to give him the ball. Um, I think he averaged the highest yards per carry last year behind that pretty poor offensive line. So that shows that he has the toughness and determination. He has the vision. He has the power and he has the speed. So I think when you look at all those combinations, he's got to work on his pass protection a little bit. So he's got to block a little bit better. Um, you don't want to be giving things away. So when he's in the game in a passing situation, he's asked to block. He's got to, he's got to work on that. He dips his head a little bit, which I, uh, you know, it's it's very common of a young guy. But um, I think he's going to be the go-to guy. I think he has the potential to be a thousand-yard back in this offense, and um, I, I, he's my bet for uh, for leading the team in rushing. I'm with Mark there. Um, I actually have to go with Brian Robson. I think he's the safest pick um, as far as getting the lead in rushing yards. I mean, right now, if I had to say, he's probably RB number one, you know, especially the guy that they consider to get the most carries. I I think, you know, personally, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do think that Gibson is going to get more opportunities, uh, you know, in that J.D. McKissick role this year, because again, as I said, you just don't have anybody in the running back room that can do what J.D. McKissick did, other than Antonio Gibson, who is kind of similar as he has that background. And then Chris Rodriguez, like I said, he's still working his way up that depth chart. So I think the safest pick right now is Brian Robinson, if you're asking who's going to probably be the lead in Russia. But it wouldn't shock me in a scenario where Chris Rodriguez does come up late in the year, like a Pacheco, as you said, AJ, and he may, you know, come on late and come on strong. 
Or yeah, AJ, what's think, your answer? I didn't come into this conversation really thinking too much about Chris Rodriguez until we started breaking it down. That's where I think these conversations are important. I think I think Chris Rodriguez will have an opportunity to probably be the feature back in, in this uh this scheme uh under Eric Bienemy. I think in normal situations, you see guys play favoritism to the people that they selected and uh, and get them those reps. And I think as the season starts to unwind midpoint, I think they're going to feature Chris Rodriguez a bit more, which is going to be surprising to a lot of the fan base. Of course, like uh, they, they love B-Rob and, and some love Gibson, but I think you also got to pay attention to who – really championed for that selection. And it immediately came out uh, during the draft recap that Eric Bieniemy went hard for Chris Rodriguez to be selected. Yeah, I, I do. It's going to value, or I said value, it depends on his development um, as the, the weeks move along. I think it's possible. I, I can see it. What I'm sorry, let me be clear. I can see his role on offense increasing as the weeks go on. Um, but my answer, like I said, with Dre and Marcus is I think B Rob's gonna be that guy, um, the leading rusher. Um, but I can see a scenario where Chris Rodriguez snap count inc- increases as the weeks go on. Um, all right, so listen, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. But quick, quick question, I guess, since Mark is here, um, there has been uh, a report out from Albert Breer. That suggested the Washington Commanders will keep their ears open for a possible um, a trade offer concerning Chase Young. Um, I'm going to first off, I guess th- this is actually the question itself. A scale of one to five. Um, on a scale of one to five, do you think Washington could really pull the trigger after hearing offers or intriguing offers on Chase Young? So I think the value right now wouldn't match. I think we got to wait for him to come into the season, blow th- blow things up like he's capable of doing. Then if you wanted to move him, you listen to offers before the trade deadline. And you play hardball up until the trade deadline. And I think you set a cap. And listen, we will we will listen to offers, but this is what we want. And we are in no hurry to move this individual if you can't meet our demands. So if he comes out, Say he, you know, has six sacks going into, you know, week eight. I forgot where the trade deadline is in our weekly schedule, but let's just say it's week eight. Um, I think it's a little bit later. That would give him the boost that trade value right now. Because if you're a team and you're going to bet on Chase Young, where he doesn't have that fifth year option, and you're going to trade for that. So you're trading for a gamble. You don't have that fifth year option you can roll back on. You got to work a, a long-term deal if you want to keep them. Are you going to give up a second-round draft pick right now for Chase Young? Hey, and I'm actually with Mark. I mean, as much as I want Chase Young to prove himself, and you know, I'm not all in 100% believing that he's going to be the guy that we actually drafted. I just don't think the timing makes sense right now when it comes to the trade talks. I think the only interesting piece to take out of that is that they're willing to listen to anything. Um, but I don't know who leaked that, where it came from. But again, I just don't think the timing makes sense right now because what what is Chase Young's value right now? I don't think no one in the NFL right now knows what Chase Young's value is. I don't even think the people who were 
even want to trade for Chase Young know what will be a proper value to give for him. So it's it's a situation where, you know, you're, you're kind of in a rock and a hard place with Chase Young in you can only just go out there and let him play at this point, you know, just go out there and let him prove himself. And Chase has to prove himself. I mean, not, the team doesn't even have to just let him prove himself. Chase has a lot to prove on his own. I mean, Chase is playing for contracts. Chase is playing for, you know, the big money he's playing for. Hey, I'm, I was the second pick in the NFL draft. You know, I was supposed to be this generational player. I mean, all of that pressure is on Chase. I mean, the team obviously has pressure as well because, you know, you could just be looked at as this is a wasted pick in a year when you needed a quarterback. But, you know, that's another conversation. But again, I mean, Chase, I, I think the conversation has moved past, you know, the point of, oh, you know, can we trade him right now? The conversation now has to be, let Chase play out. Let, let's see what Chase is worth. Let him play for his worth at this point, because right now you don't know what Chase's value is. And then you don't want it to become a situation where it's like a Trent Williams, where you ended up getting hosed on value because of what Bruce Allen and the last regime did. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want that situation to play out with Chase again, at least let him play out. The worst case scenario with Chase is he plays, he has a, a, a great year. Maybe he doesn't want to sign with you, but you could franchise tag him and then you have some leverage. But right now, I just don't think the time it makes sense with the trade talks yeah i mean i think once again if you know the rumors are true this front office has failed again to be proactive uh and instead they're being reactive and, and it's just like the time the time to trade sweat or young was before the draft uh, especially in this draft class that that really lacked defensive ends i mean at this point You've already declined this option. So a team that would be immediately trading for him can't pick up the option like they could have prior to the draft. Um, they would have to give up assets and, and sign him to an extension immediately. It, it, it's just really no value for a team in June to necessarily do that for Young or Sweat. Uh, now during the season, maybe that's when you could possibly move one of those guys if you – if you believe that they're doing well enough and they bring enough value, because there might be a team that might be down a defensive end or feel like they have a need there and would be willing to give up a first or a second to acquire a sweat or young and sign them to extension. But in June, it, it's, it's too late to even have those type of talks. Um, you're not really going to get what you could have got a month in some weeks ago. You feel me? So, um, you know, I, I, I guess, with the Chase Young thing, man, I hope that he balls out um, from the, the videos I've seen today. Look very explosive. Um, uh, still had the brace on his knee, which just tells me he's still a little bit concerned and scared to, to play without it. At this point, he just wants that extra support. But he looked explosive. He moved fluently. Um, I didn't really get to see any recaps of, of, of sweat. But at the end of the day, they got to make a decision on one or one of these guys. Either both are not going to be here, or one of them is going to going to stay here. And uh, hopefully, you know, <laughs> the best man wins in that case. Yeah, no, that's facts. Um, my my scale of one to five, if I had to give a answer, and I think I can speak for all four of us, um, it's probably at a one. Um, the window's passed. Um, to do anything serious, I don't think that uh you should really go into the season or even even during the season uh, especially with Ron Rivera you're trying to you know put out the best uh record out there as possible 
um, losing one of your best edge rushers, uh, despite the varying opinions, he is the best, one of their best edge rushers. Um, losing one of your best edge rushers isn't a, a, a positive. It's a, it's a negative in any type of way you want to slice it at this point of the season. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think it's at a, a one out of five scale. Uh, Mark, I appreciate you joining us, man, to break down the, the running back positions. Um, I want to give you the floor, man, to plug anything and everything that you got going on, boss, man. No, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to talk ball with you guys, and uh, and and especially the running back room. It was it was something that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm glad that we got to chat about it and chop it up. Um, nothing really going on big time right now. Slow time of the year, you know, waiting for um, everything to kind of kick in the, in the full gear when we get in the training camp. You know, so you know, as uh, as as I always stop over to Hogshaven, you know, chat it up with the fans over there. Let your voice be heard. And uh, let's get this sale moving. Let's get this thing wrapped up. And I'm going to see new ownership in here soon. So, yeah, yeah. Fellas, AJ, Dre, we will be back next week, man. Um, haven't figured out the position yet, but, you know, we'll get to it. We'll figure that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, fellas um, and Mark, y'all take it easy. Uh, matter of fact, I'm sorry. We'll be back. I think we'll be back later this week. Uh, we yes. got a guest that we're, yeah, we got a guest that we're working on. Yeah, yeah. So Friday. So I forgot about I don't know how I forgot about that, but <laughs> uh I guess we got one more episode for y'all. So yeah, y'all stay tuned, take it easy, enjoy y'all day, enjoy y'all evening, all that good stuff. Damn set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it off. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off. You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap and Dive. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.